Greetings, Team DPS. I am Dr. Alex Marrero, proud superintendent of Denver Public Schools. Thank you for joining us today in this special edition of the Marrero Moment. Today, our guest is Will Jones, Executive Director of Communications for Denver Public Schools. Welcome, Will. Glad to be here, Dr. Marrero. All right. Thank you for being. Let's start with that. What is an Executive Director of Communications? <laughs> well, basically, Dr. Marrero, um, I'm in charge of all the messaging that goes out there. Whenever I hear someone, whether it be a student, whether it be a staff member, whether it be a family member, and they say, I don't know, or I didn't know about that, that's my fault. My job is to make sure that everything that's going on in the district is shared with families. That's our website, our social media efforts, um, all of our internal communications, all of our external communications, our relationships with the media. Um, our team handles translations for more than 200 languages so that we make sure that all of our families, regardless of where they're from, what language they speak, they understand the messages that are coming from your office and the other offices in the central office. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a so lot. So let's speak a little bit about families. How does it directly help? our DPS families, those listening right now and watching? Well, absolutely, it keeps them in the loop. You know, one of the great things about Denver Public Schools is that we help build little people into big people. We're helping build the city of Denver. And we can't do that work without, our, without the help of our families. And if our families don't know what's going on, then they can't be active participants. We want to make sure that our families know everything that's going on all the time, which is another reason that we also help our principals. Because from time to time, our school leaders are dealing with complex issues. They don't have time to work on putting a letter together or making a phone call. So they'll reach out to our team. We'll manage that work for them so they can work on the important stuff of handling what's really right there in front of them. Well, thank you for that. Absolutely. You have an interesting journey. Yeah. Your life has not always been around public relations, correct? Absolutely not. Walk us through um, that journey then. Well, yeah, after I graduated from college, I um, didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went and moved in with my one of my best friends. He was living in Newport News, Virginia. Mm. And I went and lived with him and started working in radio. And I worked for the first, and you'll appreciate this, I worked for the first 24-hour all-hip-hop station. And back then, they told us we were going to fail because hip-hop was this fad. It would never happen. It would never catch on. But I worked in radio and ended up doing a little bit of stand-up comedy after that. And then from stand-up, yeah, yeah, that, you, you've heard some of my good and bad jokes <laughs> in the office. Um, and some of our viewers have as well. But um, after stand-up comedy, I discovered this thing called television news. And I've lived all over the country, worked in stations all over the country. And Fox 31 brought me here back in the year 2000. And I worked for Fox 31 for several years. I'm from North Carolina. And so I had an opportunity to go to Charlotte, worked for the NBC station there, came back here a couple years later and worked for Altitude Sports, traveled with the Denver Nuggets, did sports for Cronky Sports. Mm -hmm. And after that, I transitioned into public relations, worked for Denver Botanic Gardens, worked at the University of Denver, and then had the wonderful opportunity to come work for Denver Public Schools. And I've been here for the last seven years. Wow. Yeah. I want to ask so many follow-up questions in terms of where you've been, some of these places, whether you like the Tar Heels, but I'm not. Okay. All right. I'm going to try to quote, not some of your jokes, but what I've heard you say before. Mm -hmm. The best and the toughest part of your job is that everything, warts and all, come across your desk. Mm -hmm. What mo motivates you considering that there can be deep, deep, deep blows, but also incredible successes? Well, a big part of that, Dr. Marrero, is that I know the importance of public education. Um, I read that 2,000 years ago, Aristotle said 
the difference between the educated and the uneducated is the same as the difference between the living and the dead. Hmm. Now, I know that because as a kid in Asheville, North Carolina, I, was, I had a death sentence. I was in the school system. Um, I wasn't applying myself. I was just going in every day, going through the motions, wasn't really applying myself. And I had an eighth grade teacher named Miss Northcutt. And one day I'm in class being silly, and she pointed at me, and she said, I see you. And so after class, I went over, and I thought I was in trouble, but I asked Miss Northcutt what she meant. And she said, Willie, you're probably one of the smartest kids in this building, but you're a clown. And mm -hmm. I don't know why you're trying to, to not take advantage of this education, because you can go to college. Now, I was raised by my great-grandmother. My mom died in my arms when I was seven. So my mother's mother's mother raised me and my younger brother. And Mama Josie didn't know anything about college, and neither did I. So I had seen this guy named Lawrence Taylor. He went to the University of North Carolina and ended up playing for your beloved New York Giants. And I saw this other guy named Michael Jordan go to the University of North Carolina. And he went on to play for the Chicago Bulls. So I thought college was where you went if you wanted to be a pro athlete. And Ms. Northcutt said, no, nah, you go to college if you want to get a job where you can not have to break your back to make the money. Mm -hmm. And I said, sign me up. And after that, Dr. Marrero, I got my act together. I focused. I graduated. I'm the first in my family to graduate from college. Um, my younger brother, he graduated from college. His daughter went to college. We have a college fund set up for um, my daughter's son. So Miss Northcutt not only changed the trajectory of my life, she changed the trajectory of my entire family. And so to answer your question, why do I come to work every day? I know that our schools are filled with hundreds, if not thousands, of Miss Northcuts. And I know that our schools are filled with thousands of Little Willies. And I come to work every day and do this hard work so that those teachers have the opportunity to point to those kids and say, I see you, and hopefully lead them to the great life that I now have. Wow. Thank you for, for sharing that story. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Little Willie and little Alexi would have been best of friends and we would have been clowns together, but education directed or redirected, recalibrated our lives. Mm -hmm. Rhetorical, I feel. Education is a big deal for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dr. Marrero, you know, we've talked yeah. and both of us knew poverty. Oh, yeah. You know, poverty was one of my best friends. And because I was able to get my degree, it opened all these doors. And I live, uh, every morning I wake up and I pinch myself because I, I can't believe the life that I'm living. And if it weren't for Miss Northcutt guiding me to college, if it weren't for college filling my head and making me understand to take advantage of opportunities and to grow and build, um, I, don't, I don't know where I would be. But I know that education was the way out for me. And that's why I love this work, that's why as I mentioned to you, I worked at the University of Denver. A lot of the young people that I serviced there, their families had never heard of poverty. They didn't know anything about poverty. Denver Public Schools is a lot like Asheville Public Schools. There are a lot of people who don't have a lot of financial means. So I know that I'm in a school district where I'm serving the people who are where I used to be. And I know that education, if they take advantage of it, can lead them out of their poverty. When I go to the schools and I talk to the schools, I tell them, you know, I don't know what your background is, but my background is or was as tough as yours is. Yeah. And education led me to a much better place, and it can do the same thing for you. Yeah, yeah. Very powerful, Will. Um, 
very proud man, rightfully so. And I know that you're incredibly proud to be the first black person in this role. Yeah. Tell us why. Well, for me, it's, I want, it reminds me of when I was on television. One of the reasons I got into TV news is I wanted young, particularly black people to see me. Whenever I was doing a story on someone, a black person who had made a bad choice, and they're in an orange jumpsuit with handcuffs, I wanted the kids to also see a black man in a suit talking about that. And so I'm proud to be in a position where I am in a leadership role, a very important role. Um, and thank you for allowing me the opportunity to have this role. This is the guy who hired me for this job. Um, I'm proud that I'm here because I want to be seen. I'm proud that I'm here because it allows me to be not only a voice and a face, but a strong presence so that kids who hear the messages. I know some of you may recognize my voice from, this is a message from Denver Public Schools. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry about the snow day announcement. Do but, that again. Uh, I can't again. <laughs> so they can yeah, this is a message from Denver Public Schools. <laughs> there he is, guys. Um, <laughs> I'm proud that folks know that that's coming from a black man and not just any black man, a black man who came in and put in this work. I applied for this role once and didn't get it. Mm -hmm. I applied for this role twice and didn't get it. I applied for this role a third time and got it. And it's because each time that I wasn't ready before, I was able to go back, polish my craft, refine my skills, and um, now I'm in a position where I can impact families all throughout our school district. Yeah, I love how you uh, pose that, and I wonder, if the system wasn't ready instead of Willie not being ready? Well, I will say this, um, and I don't want to sound too spiritual, but I was bitter the first couple times that I didn't get this job. And one of our former, I'll say his name, Mike Ramirez, he was a member of the team. Mm -hmm. And before he left, he's gone back to Florida. He's a former member of our academics team. I told him how I was bitter that I didn't get this opportunity earlier. And one of the things Mike said to me was, well, the first superintendent that you, were, you applied for, did you believe in that person 100%? And I said, well, not, not 100%. <laughs> and he said, okay, the second superintendent that you tried to get to gave you this job. Did you believe in that person 100%? And I said, well, to be honest, no. And he said, you believe in Dr. Marrero, don't you? I said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's why God gave you this opportunity, because... I get to speak for you. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Mike Ramirez. Uh, incredible people. Uh, they come and go, but the impact they have is how they made you feel. Mm -hmm. uh, so my next uh, question is around uh, black excellence. What's mm -hmm. that? What, and you just described it, quite frankly. But what does black excellence mean to you? Well, to me, Dr. Marrero, black excellence is it's more of a mindset. You know, one of the things that I love about black people in this country is that no matter what has been thrown at us, we keep rolling, we keep moving, we keep pushing forward. And, you know, one of my Mama Josie's favorite sayings was, we may not be where we want to be, but thank God we're not where we were. Mm. To me, that's a big part of black excellence, yeah. is that knowing that you can overcome, knowing that you can grow, knowing that you can be great, but at the same time, knowing that you have to put in work. And I believe that that's a big part of black excellence, having that mentality of achieving excellence and having the perseverance to put in the work to achieve black excellence. Wow. Great, great. Mindset, we have to shift, we belong. How do we celebrate the achievements of many or how do we celebrate? Well, I have a 10-year-old in my home that okay. I adore 
who basically runs me around. And I don't matter. I know that. <laughs> and Dr. Murillo, some of the things that we're doing is we're taking her. I mean, I love that Denver has all of these cultural opportunities, mm -hmm. the, the, the museums we can visit, whether that be the History Museum mm -hmm. or the, the Black the America West Museum. There are so many museums where you can learn about black history. But we also, in, in our home, you know, we're cooking. You know, simple things. Recipes Mama Josie taught me, you know, from her years growing up in the, um, on, the, on a farm in South Carolina. Just reading, learning about um, our ancestors, not just the ones that um, are prominent, like Dr. Martin Luther King, but yeah. just some of the ones that aren't necessarily shared in the classroom. Just finding those opportunities to celebrate blackness. And one of the things I want my, my granddaughter to understand is that being black is something to be proud of. It's nothing that you should ever let someone take away from you. And having her be able to see people in history, read about people in history, hear my story, see me. Um, I love that she gets to see me get up every morning and put on a suit and come to work. Mm -hmm. When I go visit her at her school, she loves saying, that's my G-Paw. Mm. He works in the central office. He's, he, he knows the superintendent. <laughs> I love that because I want her to understand that the excellence that I'm displaying for her is excellence she can achieve, but she's got to put in the work. Awesome. Well, Will, we all appreciate you joining us uh, in this segment of the Marrero Moment. We're glad to have you join us, uh, even happier that we have folks like you, executive in this uh, billion-dollar organization. Let's call it what it is. You're, you're a key decision-maker in this uh, billion-dollar organization. Who would have thought, right, Yeah. That, that we are doing great work and that we belong? I want to thank you and your illustrious team uh, who put all of this together. You neglected to mention what happens here as well. This is, this is all under your well, guys, you know, I didn't right? want to brag too much, <laughs> but um, yeah, we do have a studio, and we're so thrilled to have you here. We're going to do podcasts. Again, um, when people say they don't know, that bothers me. Yeah. So we're going to make sure people know through the podcast, through the messages. We're, we're gonna, we're, I want you all to get sick of hearing from me about Denver Public Schools. We want to overload you with information about the greatness that is Denver Public Schools. I want to thank you for your vulnerability and for sharing what you shared. Uh, I know that's going to inspire many as it has already. I want to thank you officially for joining this uh, segment of the Moreau Moment. And uh, thank you all folks for watching this Moreau Moment and do it with me. I'll see you next time.